Hello, friend. I am Maria, and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner, Sergey, uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Today, I would like to talk to you about um, power of the ancestors. Uh, we had a conversation, uh, we had a, an episode about ancestral healing. Um, in this episode, I would like to learn like, how you can get uh, energy from your ancestors and uh, in what form you can get it. Sure. So a part of your ancestral energy already flows through your body, right? It yeah. is inadvertently so whether you want it or not, it is part of your birth process. When the primordial spark of your higher self is joined with the spark of your mother ancestry line, your father ancestry line. So, you know, if you didn't want to be fed by those, in essence, you could not be alive, right? So let, let's start with the fact that you already are fed by, by, by those uh, two streams of energy. Now, of course, depending on how aware you are of those, how great your familial relationships are um, with, you know, each of your ancestry lines, how much you know about them, how much you've connected to them, um, how much you, you know, cherish that connection uh, would determine the power of that stream. Um, And in essence, they impact on your life, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, of course, there are, because technically each of your ancestry lines is a very real, quote-unquote, third-dimensional construct. Apart from just having an energetic imprint, it also has a lot of tools that your ancestors have assembled over the years, right, over all of these generations. So you can think of it as a, chest full of treasure Hmm. right or gems or what have you and it is something that your ancestors earn throughout the development of your ancestry line right yeah starting from the forefather and the foremother the founders of the ancestry line through to you however many generations that has been so there are certain aspects of the physical reality that you know, at one point we're either earned or are vibrating in the frequency of your ancestral line enough so that they could be used by you as local sources of power, right? Mm-hmm. Now there are multiple local sources of power as well as global sources of power, so to say, that you have, right? Yeah. Global sources of power are your connection to source energy, your connection to higher self as an imprint of that source energy or a projection of that source energy. These are the global aspects of power. 
the more localized aspects of power are the energy of the sun, for instance, whether that's the central sun of your galaxy or the local sun of your solar system. You know, that would be a more localized source of power. Uh Gaia and the planet that you live on is a more localized source of power. And of course, your ancestry line is the most accessible source of your power, right? Uh It is something that already flows in your body to a certain degree, so you can always accentuate it. So depending on your level of development, depending on your level of awareness, your level of energy, et cetera, et cetera, certain sources might be easier for you to tap into than others, right? Uh So for instance, to be able to tap into the source energy, you have to be, you know, your vibrations need to be fairly high. Uh Uh, It's kind of like, almost like, you know, if, if, if source energy was a well, you have to have a long enough arm to be able to reach into that well and get something back. And you have to be a really, really good transmitter uh, of that energy because you also have to be able to work that energy through your body and turn that into something that, you know, is helping you in the physical. Yeah. Now, the energy of the source is, is, is so high vibration or has such high vibrations that, for instance, if you wanted to tap into the energy of the source, so that, you know, you could get your, or cook your next meal, that's maybe not a good way to expend source energy, right? Because source, as the grand creator, likes to solve A, big problems, B, you know, something that is quite transformational, uh-huh. as opposed to, you know, something that's localized and less interesting. Now, your ancestors are not as picky. That's the good thing. So they're always in your corner. They're always wanting to help. They always are there for you. And they're the easiest energy to tap into. Now, because they've already spent generations of generations to gather all the treasures into the treasure chest, it is all about unlocking that treasure chest for you so that all of these physical objects that through multiple incarnations of your ancestors have been serving your ancestry line could come and serve you in the same way. Because chances are, unless you do a very conscious act of coupling with that wisdom and with those gifts, you're probably not already using all of them. You might be using some. Uh Generally speaking, when you're facing great trauma, your ancestry line would already come forth with a gift for you that would enable you to cope better with it. It could, ha- it could come in any which way, shape, or form. For instance, you know, if you're, um, say it's um, an animal that comes into your life uh, one way or the other. It could be, you know, as a child, you, um, I don't know, somebody bought you a little puppy. Your parents bought you a puppy or, you know, um, a kitten or a hamster. It doesn't really matter. It could actually come as an answer or, or an energetic support from your ancestors. You just mm-hmm. didn't recognize that, right? Yeah. So um, in, in other words, through the course of your life, some of these gifts already get unlocked and others just won't unless you, you go through a specific, you could call it a ritual, meditation, whatever you want, exercise of, of unearthing that treasure and, and figuring out how it could work for your life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now in general, on earth, humans are very disconnected with their lineages. It used to be wasn't always the case. It used to be that those records were kept very well. You know, there was a very, very detailed record of 
you know, all of your ancestors or at least to a decent degree and their occupations and their special talents and you know, all of those things that enabled a child to be a lot more connected, right? Mm-hmm. Because very often the way it works is throughout an incarnation, if it was any of your ancestors, think about any life, right? Uh, you can think about this present incarnation of yours. You know, whether that is a life that, you know, according to your higher self is a success or not a success, you are, as a matter of you coming into this ancestry line, you are going to leave a piece of treasure behind you, whether you know it or not, right? So as a part of you living this life, you are going to give something back to your ancestors because in essence, you know, this is a reality, this is a reality of give and take, right? So you cannot just take from the universe without giving something to the universe. In the same way that you cannot take something from your ancestry line without giving back something to that ancestry line. So all of your ancestors, and think of it, you can imagine your ancestry line as a necklace and each person is a bead or a crystal on that necklace, right? Now, as you're going through your incarnation, there's going to be one aspect of you that's so spectacular, so good, or something that you're so distinguished for, maybe it would be a talent of yours or a good de- deed that you had or your accomplishment. And the representation of that, right, mm-hmm. is going to go back to the treasure chest of your ancestry line when you die so that your children and their children, et cetera, et cetera, could tap into the wealth of that treasure, into the treasure trove and get a gift from you. Mm. You mean you do it consciously or no, 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 subconsciously. 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 The way it generally is done is as you're leaving your body as part of your basically death, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, You know, a change of frequency situation as you're dying. There is going to be a tally, right? So there is like a closing process, like your file is being closed, you know, and there is a separation process, you know. Um, in the same way that as your birth, there is a unification process, there is a separation process. So the things that belong to this planet and your ancestry line are left with the planet. In that process of the closing of your file, that gift is being determined. Now, it's being determined by the higher consciousness, which in, in this instance would be your higher self in accordance with your deeds for this incarnation. Right? That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And then the rest of it is just going to go into your Akashic field, Akashic records, you know, as part of this closing process and the reckoning. And then, you know, of course, uh, to, to, to this part of your energy is going to go back to your higher self. And then there is a whole process of integration, actually. And the process of integration happens in two different places. It happens within your higher self and your own Akashic record field, as well as the process of integration happens within your familial lineage that you left behind. So that new streak of energy, which used to be you, that now stays with your lineage, needs to be integrated into the greater whole. Because depending on what is that treasure that you left behind and what was your frequency, the frequency of the whole might change. It might be elevated or not so elevated, right? So every person counts in the familial lineage. So you're telling that any person can access uh, this treasury, treasure, right? Ancestral treasure. Uh, if, even if your um, connection is not strong enough or even if you don't know your ancestors, 
or you have to do the cleaning first before you can get access to this treasury. So you see, it is accessible by every single human. Uh-huh. But of course, as I'm looking at the greater whole, I have to give you all the exceptions. And there is really only one exception to this rule, which is when a person curses their connection to their lineage or somebody within their lineage. In essence, breaking away from that chain. It's like a bead that got separated from the rest of the beads and is now standing alone. So in a situation where, for, I don't know, uh, your parents did something to you and then you, uh, something awful. I don't know what it could be, but something that you perceive to be unforgivable. Uh And you decide to leave home and you leave it and, you know, there's a very strong intention or maybe like some, some word or some promise that you give to yourself or your parents. Like, I don't want anything to do with you uh-huh. ever again or like, yeah. or your family or whatever, right? So when you throw like a promise like that, it could actually uh, separate you away from your lineage. Now, it doesn't necessarily... Like it's, it's not a forever separation, but this is something that, you know, you created. At least for this lifetime. Yeah. And sometimes very rarely um, would need, what, what could happen is your parent, a parent does something to their child and they say, this is not my son anymore. This is not my daughter anymore. Now, a parent cannot forcefully, you know, by, by doing this, remove you from a familial lineage. The only time this thread breaks is if you believe the same Mm. as a child, Yeah. right? So your mom can say, you're not whatever my daughter anymore. And it does not tarnish that connection because it is the connection to, it's not, you're not just connected to your mother, you're connected to the rest of them that came before her, right? So... You know, it's actually really the, the child in this case that, you know, has the power to break the connection, not the, the mother. Mm-hmm. So these cases are rare. Have I seen them? Yes. Um, you know, generally speaking, they happen. It, this would be the only case where first you would have to mend the relationship with your ancestors before you can really partake in all the good stuff. Uh-huh. That, you know, is part of that treasure chest. Other than that, yes, absolutely anybody. It doesn't really matter what level of energy they have. You know, do, does, there, there's no exception to the rule. If you were born onto this planet, uh-huh. means you have a lineage, means you can partake in its treasures. And um, before maybe we go deeper, can you uh, tell me how these objects or animals have power of your ancestors like how did they absorb this energy so it is a process of collection like i said right every person contributes something to the greater whole Mm -hmm. now that the way these treasures are formed is very different life Mm -hmm. to life person to person um you mentioned animals obviously there are uh, you know, totem animals. Your totem animal is something that comes to you 
and is inherited by you from your ancestry line. There are spirit animals that are the animals of your spirit, which is exactly what it says like, which is an animal that your spirit slash soul slash higher self has a connection with. And then, there are, and then there are your totem animals, which have the connection to your ancestry line. When an ancestry line forms a connection to an animal, generally what happens is some type of affinity between one or many members of the particular lineage to an animal. Examples of events that can form affinity are when, say, there is a human that is hunting grizzly bears and it is a time when the person needs to feed their family. And so it's hunting grizzly bears. And so it sees a grizzly bear. And it knows that it needs to attack the grizzly bear, but it spares the grizzly bear's life. And in that instance, the grizzly bear sees that and recognizes that on an energetic level. So a life spared could create that connection. Now, it would only create that connection if, in that moment, the grizzly bear recognizes and is very grateful to the human. Say it could be a mother grizzly bear that has like little cubs. And all of a sudden, it's not one life spared, but eight life spared or what have you. Now, the grizzly bear could, in that instance, pledge allegiance to this human and thus their ancestry. So, you know, they could lend their strength to the ancestral line in many different shapes or forms. Actually, one example that, you know, grizzly bear can lend its strength is that whatever the offspring of this human that spared its life, for instance, you know, they would have grizzly bear strength because the spirit of the animal now lives within the ancestry line. So when the new soul comes into it, it can tap into that raw strength. Or for instance, you know, the same situation might've happened with a fox and all of a sudden the offspring of of this um, human can can become very um, shrewd, you know, very smart. They actually know how to get what they want, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's a fox quality. Yeah. Right? Subtle about getting what they want, but still effective, right? Mm. So that is just one example. Another example is uh, of like, again, because you asked about animals is, when a human is taking care of the animal and is doing a great job of it and they're like really having a connection, it could be like with a wild animal or it could be a domesticated animal, like a horse, you know? When a human has such a great connection with a horse that the horse wants to pledge allegiance to that ancestry line. Hmm. Uh, But very often it's either a very genuine connection between one of the ancestors and that particular animal, a life spared, or... You know, um, sometimes what initially happens, which is like that connection with the animal, of course, you know that a lot of lineages, you know, originated in like tribal cultures and, and, and not monotheistic type of religions, but polytheistic religions, right? So very often an animal, it might initially start as the animal being worshipped by ancestors, right? And a lot of offerings being offered to an eagle, let's say, or a whale, it doesn't really matter. And then enough, it was done enough times that there is a thread of like the animal has received a lot of gifts from this ancestry line that, you know, it feels compelled to give back. 
So this is just one example. Mm-hmm. Now, the same things could happen with um, the four elements, right? So your familial lineage could have one or multiple of the four elements being on its side. Oh, then they worship fire. Either they worship or they have a special connection where it's like it could be deep respect and Mm. understanding of something, right? As opposed to, you know, feeling like you're better than someone or something or breaking your connection or, you know, cursing your uh, connection with the land, you know, forsaking it or what have you. But like very often... Uh, those elemental connections are born. Mm-hmm. So uh, it means that in this uh, chest of uh, treasures, there can be anything. Absolutely. Right? So it can be animals, elements, objects, symbols, right? Yes, colors, um, plants, obviously, very big one, minerals, um, Items of clothing, mm-hmm. uh, particular lodgings, houses, homes, um, rays, planets, uh, trades, mm. like talents, skill sets, things like that. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So before- Even magic. Oh, nice. <laughs> before we go into like maybe some meditations, uh, what would be the benefit of connecting to these objects? Let's say uh, you, you have a symbol, right, in your chest of treasures. Like, what would be the benefit of connecting to all these treasures? Like, how would it affect your life? Yeah, well, first, once you're, as part of connecting, you're going to have to ask ancestors for permission to use these objects to the betterment of your life, oh. right? Mm-hmm. Now, when you're asking me about a symbol, it's actually not a very, it's a very general question because each symbol is created very differently. Yes. Now, there are symbols that are ingrained in your ancestry lines. Some symbols are for fertility. Other symbols are for strength. Other symbols are for um, intellect. Other symbols are for courage. So I don't know which ones you would have. Right. Mm-hmm. Depending on which ones you would have, if you integrate them into your talisman or, you know, even drawing those symbols, it can help you connect to those energies and bring those energies into your day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. But it seems like these objects uh, can really help you in your day-to-day life and your manifestation and just your mission overall. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I mean, it's like a toolbox, yeah. right? That you didn't have before. And you didn't even know you had access to, but you do. And now instead of uh, using some, I don't know, symbols or connecting to some um, elements, you can connect to the ones that have a strong connection because of your lineage. So let's just say that you can still connect to whatever symbol you want, yeah. right? It's all about the strength of that connection. You know, if the connection is very weak, it's not going to be very impactful in your life. The connection is very strong. It's quite the opposite. So the thing is, with everything that is related to your ancestors, that connection is going to be incredibly strong if you untap it mm-hmm. or tap into it, right? So it's going to be, A, immediate upon unlocking that, 
and say, you know, it's, it's the energy of the fire that you didn't know that your ancestry really had. Maybe you had a feeling, but you didn't fully know. You know, once you unlock the energy of the fire and say your ancestors use the energy of the fire for courage, because that's definitely one aspect of the fire, you could immediately use that for anything you want, like public speaking. And that's going to be a very, very, a very strong and immediate connection. As opposed to say you have a lineage that never had a connection with fire, but you really want to create it. You, you might need to spend a lot more time and effort to actually connect with the energy of the fire. And the impact is not going to be as immediate or as strong. As opposed to your lineage, is like it's literally in your blood. It's in your veins. It's in your bones. It's so much a part of you that it, it is quite strong and quite immediate. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm saying it is one of the easiest energy sources for you to connect to and one, one with the fastest impact. And is there a thing like, um, I'm just trying to imagine that, uh, ancestor, our ancestors knew about this connection in the past. We don't, right? Yes. Uh, they were kind of amplifying the power of this oh, object, right? Yeah, the way they build their homes, the way they build their lives, you would always know what trade is a part of your lineage. Look at your last names. Yeah. The last names very often are connected to something special within your lineage. There's no, absolutely no other way. Like your last name is the first place you should look for any type of special connection. Even if I didn't offer you any meditation later on today. Yeah. Look at your last name because those connections, you know, that is the first thing that connects you to your lineage. Basically, that is the first thing. Like, and people's last names are very different, right? Like sometimes it's a place. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's an animal. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of different connections, but they're not random, right? Very often, you know, like a trade was so, like, you know, you would have a family of farmers, or you would have a family of butchers, or you would have a family of smiths, mm-hmm. actually. Smith is a great one. Yeah. <laughs> one of the most common ones, right, mm-hmm. in English. So, you know, and, and that, that's how you would inherit that. It was like a dead giveaway. Uh, but, you know, that's why for this particular lineage of smiths, um, it, for a child who was born into that lineage, it's a lot faster for them to learn the trade. Huh as opposed to somebody who's, who was born from a generation of... Farmers. Yeah, for instance, right? So definitely look at your last name. Um, but in the past, when the ancestry lines were aware of all of that, they would use that to their advantage. They would use that for shortcuts. They would use that for, you know, honestly, whatever they needed, uh, better harvests. Uh, more thriving families, more abundance in their life, whatever whatever it is that you know their family was um, rich in, and they would definitely pass that on to their children. How they would build houses, where they would build their house, what kind of objects they would have inside of their house, you know, um, they would always have a place um, where you know, um, like an ancestry alcove, almost mm-hmm. or like a specific place where they would store actual objects that they inherited from their ancestors. Yeah. 
Some people still do that, you know? This is a ring that my great-grandmother owned and, you know, I'm still holding on to that. But it's a lot more far and in between. And it's, it's not like one place where, you know, your whole family stores all of these objects. Hmm. You know, it kind of maybe only happens with like very rich families that have their familial uh, states, yeah. but not for, you know, your normal quote-unquote person. And it's a big, big loss, right? Because if you do have objects of your ancestors, it's a lot easier to actually connect to that energy. It doesn't mean you have to hold on to every single, you know, (laughs) item of clothing that your grandma had, but because that's not necessary, but definitely pick one or two objects that you can pass on to your children, right? Because of jewelry. Right. Yeah, or I don't know, even the photograph. The photograph. Although, of course, we know that, you know, the younger generations might not be too keen about, like, older photographs. But, yeah, another object, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so basically they, w- they would have a place where all of these objects were stored. Hmm. Including the family book. Yeah. There was also a family tree. When I say a family tree, I don't mean an etheric tree. I mean an actual tree. Yeah. Kind of like an avatar, the movie, when mm-hmm. they had this tree where the whole community, you know, depended on that tree. Now for familiar lineages that uh, were born in, in areas where, you know, trees were plentiful, having a family tree where you connect with the energy of that tree by literally placing your palms on the trunk of that tree was a thing. Mm. Now trees don't live forever, but they certainly live long enough. For it to be quite powerful. Yeah. This is also a place where a child would go to connect with the energy of their ancestors and actually get their own guidance, right? Because this is a place that is amplified with this ancestral energy. So by just sitting down in that tree and contemplating and, you know, uh, just staying quiet for 30 minutes or an hour, a child could learn a lot. Hmm about their own strength, their own path, as well as the path of their ancestors. And that is just the power that these objects, living or non-living, animate or inanimate, have. Mm -hmm. So just generation upon generation, they were feeling these objects. Yeah. And And that in itself was a source of magic, the magic of objects. Yeah. Of talismans, as you may call them. Okay. So um, my next question would be about um, a reconnection with all these energies. Yes. Um, how would you describe or how would you um, maybe help us to connect with this energy? Is there a meditation? Yes, so there is. There is a meditation, uh, which is, so it's kind of like a two-step thing, right? So the first, the first step is even finding out what are the things that you could be connecting to. Now, the treasure trove, the treasure chest is quite deep. Meaning, unless I made this meditation five hours long, we probably wouldn't uncover all the things that it would be beneficial for you to uncover. <laughs> so I actually recommend maybe multiple different sessions if you're curious right and some of you would be and others of you would not be and that is completely okay with me (laughs) it's a planet of free will Um, i'm personally very curious (laughs) yeah you definitely strike me as somebody who would 
go for the full full five hours. Yeah, ten if hours. Not 10. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but there's definitely a place, a very easy, quick place to start, right? So yeah. first, obviously you have two lineages, your mom's side and your dad's side. So the first thing that you want to imagine, right? Um, and I said like step one is understanding what the objects are. Step two is connecting to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two different steps. Not right. one and the same. Um, and, you know, we could skip step one, but it's not quite as fun. And then that just uh, becomes part of your subconscious and, you know, where's the fun in that? You would not even know that you connected to something or that, you know, your life changed for the better because of the ancestor's help. You'd just be like, oh, I don't know. I'm just having a streak of luck yeah. or something. Oh, so you mean that there is a way to connect to this object without understanding what they are? Yes. Right? You just, I want to connect with this energy. Yes. And you connect and you don't know what this yes. energy is. Okay, got it. Okay, so it's definitely better to go with identifying the objects first. Yeah, or whichever objects want to show themselves, right? Because like I said, like you can think of it as a maze almost, right? And, and every time you turn the corner, there is a new cool thing for you to explore, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but there are some important things um, that I think could be beneficial for everybody, right? So first, you want to imagine that you're at a crossroads, right? So you're standing in front of two roads. There is a road that leads to the left. And then there is a road that leads to the right. Now, of course, we know that, you know, the left side of your body, as well as anything where you're going to the left, represents your mother. And the right represents your father. So let's go with your mom's side first, just because. Uh, When you're settling into this meditation, because this is, you know, you connecting to very physical objects, actually, although you're going to be connecting with them in in your mind's eye, um, it's actually important, you know, whether you're sitting down or you're um, sitting, uh, you know, laying down or sitting up, it doesn't really matter what position you're in, uh, but to kind of bring in your physical body into the meditation. So you want to, you know, take a few deep breaths before starting. Then if we're working with your mom's side, you want to take your left hand and place that on the belly. So you want to place your left hand on the belly and take three deep breaths. And then make an intention of connecting to your mom's lineage. Right? So imagine, imagining that you're solar plexus chakra is connected to the solar plexus chakras of all the people in your mom's lineage. Then you want to move your left hand to your heart area, right? Put it on the heart chakra on the Anahata. Take three deep breaths and consciously connect with the hearts of your ancestors on the mom's side. And the last thing that you want to do is put your left hand on your third eye area on the forehead and gently tap with your index and middle finger. Gently tap the area of the third eye to activate it because we're going to need it in this meditation. So we're activating the 
your pineal gland and your connection to, you know, the clairvoyance and your mind's eye. And you want to see a thread of, you know, connecting your third eye chakra with your ancestors on your mom's side. So you want to go back to your meditation where you are standing in front of the two roads and you're looking at the road on the left and imagine a sphere kind of in the sky, maybe not so far up as as the sun, but maybe a little bit closer to you. And then there is a sphere and it's glittering and it's glimmering with like golden white light and beautiful light. And you know that this light is representing a very specific frequency. Now inside, there is a color. Inside of that sphere is a color. And you don't know what the color is yet. But what you do know is that inside of the sphere is a particular color frequency of your whole mother ancestry line. The same color that is floating into the sole of your left foot and traveling up your body to fuel you in your day-to-day life. So what you want to imagine is the sphere rotating and pulsating. And, you know, feel free to breathe into it and watch it really rotate and accelerate its spinning. And then it bursts. And the color that is inside is leaking through and all over and there are splashes and it colors the road, the full road that's ahead of you into this beautiful color. So whatever the color that you're seeing is, is the color of your mother ancestry line. That is a very important color. Now it colors the road right? The cobblestones or whatever you're seeing, they're now that color because that is the path of your mother line. They're literally walking in that ray. Their vibration is that color and that frequency. So if you ever feel like you need the help of your mother ancestors, what you want to do is connect with that beautiful color that is just splashed all over the road. You might want to buy articles of clothing of that color or accessories or like bed sheets or a curtains. So you really want to make sure that color is represented in your place of living because this is a very resourceful color for your abundance and your things like your generosity, things like love, right? So you really want to make sure that this color is represented in your life one way or another. And then you want to imagine that you're walking on that road and it's a very very lovely day and you're just walking alongside the road and then you are approached by a creature that is going to be your guide now that creature could be mythical or it could be quite real it is the guardian of your ancestral line on your mom's side. It could be an animal. It could be a bird. It could be an angel. It could be a unicorn. 
It could be honestly anything. And that guide has been with your ancestry line for as long as it existed. So every time that there is a familial lineage that's being birthed, there is a guardian that's assigned to it. There is a creature that gives its blessing and its power to the creation of that lineage. And that creature is going to be your guide today. That is the creature that can answer any questions you might have about your uh, family treasures. If you only let it. If you wanted to break for a second, you could even ask this guardian questions. You can ask him or her what their name is. You know, how old they are which might give you an understanding of how, you know, how old your ancestry line is. You know, what are its greatest powers or strength? You can even ask it why it has selected your particular family to serve and protect. And then you want to thank that creature, whatever he or she is, for the wonderful service that it has been giving and rendering to your family. And you want to recognize it for its contribution and its service and its sacrifice. And you want to ask it for a tour of all the treasures that your family has assembled over the years. Now, the creature is nodding in response to your request. And it's taking you by the hand if it has hands. If it doesn't have hands, it can just lead you and you can just follow it. So you follow this creature. And the first thing that it takes you to is a house, a family home. Now this is a collective house of your whole lineage on your mom's side. Not any particular house. And so you want to pay attention of what kind of house that is. And you want to make note because this house represents the most peace, the most serenity, you know, the most comfort as far as the physical place or your lineage, which means that if you want to build your happy home, you would be wise to borrow some of the things that you're seeing in this house. And you want to go on a tour of this house with this creature. You want, and you can ask the creature to show you the most important place in the house, the place that's the most sacred or the most holy. And it'll take you to a place that would contain objects that are most important to your family. You can almost think of it as, you know, the, the safe, the treasure safe. You know, something that's really tucked away and cherished the most by your family. And it'll be a collection of objects. So you want to see exactly what this most sacred place contains. And it can contain a number of different things. Minerals, books. It can contain... Any physical object, like a piece of clothing, 
or a food or a plant, anything. So a lot of things that are very important for the comfort and, and the health and the abundance of everybody in your ancestry would be on this altar, so to say, the most sacred place in that house. But you also want to pay attention about the different aspects of the house. You know, is it tall? Is it short? How many stories does it have? What is it made of? Does it have a lot of light or not a lot of light? How many doors and windows does it have? Is it a lot? Is it few? Is it a spacious big house or a small cozy one? And then you also want to examine the surrounding grounds of the house. Where is it located? Is it in nature? If so, what kind of nature? Does it have a water um, full of water next to it? Or maybe it has the mountains or the forest. Or maybe it is next to a waterfall. You really want to pay attention where where this house is um, situated. You want to pay attention to any of the colors or the ornaments that you see in the windows or the walls. Anything special at all that catches your attention. And then... After you've examined the house, you're ready to move on to the next step. The next step is you could ask your guide, your creature, to take you to a place where you can meet your totem animals or birds. And again, it would take you by the arms or just lead the way into a special place where these animals are. And you may, you know, you may see them all in that special place, or you can see them one by one. So where one of them approaches you at first, and then again, it could be an animal that is mythical. It could be an actual animal that lives on planet Earth right now. It could be an extinct animal, and that's fine. It can be a bird, a fish. Don't only think about, you know, animals that are on, on the hard ground, right? It can be anything. And then you really want to look that animal in the eye and connect third eye to third eye. That is how you truly connect to your totem animal. And then you want to bow down to the animal. Because if it is your total totem animal of your lineage, chances are they have been in service to your lineage for many, many generations. And they've probably even served you in this lifetime without you not even knowing. Don't be surprised if you see an animal that you've had an affinity for. There's probably a reason why you like them. But also, don't be surprised if the animal that comes forth is something that you were scared off or something that you've never really liked because that would be the greatest unlock for you. If there is something about the totem animal that you see that you don't like, it doesn't resonate with you. It is like a pocket of information about you or that connection link that's missing between you and your lineage. So it's even more important for you to connect to that animal third eye to third eye. 
and really see them for who they are and the gift that they are and feel into the depth of their soul. You can ask them questions to ask them why they're serving your family. You know, who was potentially one of your ancestors that brought them on board and why did they decide to join? What kind of things could they help you with? What are their most important qualities? And depending on your lineage, you could have anywhere from one to up to 10 totem animals. Very, very, uh, for the most of humanity, it's going to be between one and 10. So for as long as they keep coming, you just keep waiting. And then, you know, when you're done, your guide is going to let you know that, you know, this is it. Like you've met all of your spirit animals. And then you want to keep walking on that road. And you want to keep walking until you see your family tree. You want to pay attention to what kind of tree it is. What type of tree it is. You know, is it tall? Is it short? What kind of leaves does it have? Does it have plenty of leaves? And, you know, few leaves. Is it a young tree, a very old tree? Because that itself is going to tell you a lot about your lineage. But also the type of tree is actually very important. Because the tree that you see is going to be a tree that, if at all possible, you want to connect to in real life after this meditation. This is the one thing that, you know, you you could obviously and you should connect in, in a meditative state, but it is no replacement for the actual connection to that tree. So you want to seek out that tree in real life and you want to connect with it in person by placing your forehead, forehead, your third eye, and both palms of your hands, the right and the left, onto the trunk of that tree and connecting to it and thanking it for its service to your family. Right? Yeah. You might even choose to take a few leaves from that tree and dry them you know, just keep them in your house so that you can always maintain the energy of that tree inside of your home. And that could be part of your altar. And then around that tree, you would see your spirit plants growing. And again, spirit plants, it could be just a couple of plants or many plants. You know, a particular ancestry can have up to 30 plants, actually. So plants are more plentiful. And you want to pay attention to every single plant that comes forth or that your guide is, you know, having you pay attention to. Flowers, herbs, fruit trees, any type of plants that, you know, are edible plants you want to pay special attention to. And you want to make a note because your totem plants are always going to be the ones that give you the most energy and the most healing, and the most purification. So you want to make sure that whatever you're seeing, you know, you're assembling like a little, almost like medicine, plant medicine kit inside of your house. If you see a fruit or a vegetable type plant, you want to make sure that you consume it in real life as much as possible. If you see flowers, you want to make sure that you have flower essences at home 
not chemical ones, but actually real flower essences or essential oils made from that plant. Again, not chemical, but real. Um, and, you know, you want to make sure that you, you, you smell them with a particular cadence or take baths in, in, in those oils or just rub them into your temples. Now, if it is um, a plant on your mom's side, you want to make sure that you're rubbing it into the left side of your body for the most if impact. So if it's the temple, it'll be the left temple of your body. If it's the wrist, it'll be the left wrist of your body. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So once you're done with the plant kingdom, you can move on to the mineral kingdom, right? Uh, so what you're going to be shown here can be quite fascinating because the mineral kingdom can take on so many different shapes and forms. You could see a mountain actually here and recognize a mountain because a mountain is part of the mineral kingdom very often. Or you could see a particular crystal or crystals or crystal objects. And they're not always in, in crystal shape. You might see a malachite snake, for instance. Or you might see an onyx cat, right? So you want to pay special attention to the little figurines and crystals that you're seeing and paying attention. Because each total mineral that you have is worth a thousand words. You know, really connecting to the spirit of that crystal. Then, of course, you know, once you're done with your meditation, you can read up on it later and really, really understand what the energy of that crystal holds. Now, you want to make sure that you're, um, you know, you get at least one each of, um, of the totem crystals and place them strategically in your home. Now, of course, you want to study what each crystal is all about. Some crystals are better in dining rooms. Some crystals are better in the bedrooms. There's no right or wrong answer where you place them as long as you have them in your house or in your familial altar that hopefully you're going to build after this. Hmm. And if you see a particular figurine, then say, like I said, a malachite snake, then trying to get a malachite snake exactly is your best bet, right? Not just a malachite of any other shape, but sometimes minerals are able to speak to you only through a certain form. Very often, if you see a figurine in the form of a crystal, it's actually a great talisman for protection. So you definitely want to make sure you buy like a little figurine of that. Now, there are so many other things that you could see here on this road. Literally, every little treasure mm -hmm. from your familial lineage is going to be here. Some of the objects, you know, you might actually um, allow your guardian to take you to very random things, like without an agenda. Just ask him or her to take you to the things that are important for you to connect to today. Or you can get, uh, ask him for help or assistance with a project that you're working on. Whether you're trying to manifest something in your life, or you're trying to you know, get to some place in your life, or you're lacking some type of aspect, like you're lacking courage, or like you're, you, know, you haven't met your life partner, or whatever else that you're missing. You can always just ask that. Um, you know, set an intention and ask your guardian to help you find just the right object that would help you and assist you. 
for men, actually, very interestingly, uh, would be to connect to um, a weapon. And I know weapon sounds maybe a little morbid, but it really isn't. You know, there's actually a very particular weapon that's the sign and the, um, the guardian of your courage. So everybody who, um, who's like a great warrior, and, and by the way, women could, could have that too. I, not to say that it's just only applicable to men, but um, in, in most of your lineages, you are going to have at least a few people who are warriors. And the warrior spirit is encapsulated, encapsulated in some type of weapon. It could be a sword or it could be bow and arrows. It could be anything, really. So you, you know, if you're trying to connect with a personal strength, a warrior spirit, or resolve an intention, you could just bring forth something that is your familial weapon and really connect to it. It could be a very beautiful experience. Other things that you could connect to on this journey that could be fun are um, your familial planet, for instance, right? Now, we can start with the solar system. And there is always a guardian planet. Each ancestral line has a guardian planet. So you can um, ask your guardian to take you to a place where you can see that planet, right? And you would look up into the sky and you would see exactly which planet from the solar system is guarding and guiding you, right? I don't know if you're very much into planets. There's not so many in the solar system, Um, you know, (laughs) in totality, right? Yeah. So very often you would just know what planet it is, even though that, you know, you might not necessarily know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Now connecting to the energy of that planet, you know, reading up on the astrology of that planet, the energies of that planet that it brings is very important. You know, Jupiter, for instance, is all about expansion, right? Travel, adventure, all of those things, right? So if that is the guardian planet, then that would be connected to the mission of your ancestry line. Mm. right? It's all about expansion for everybody, right? So you would definitely see some common streaks between your personality, the personality of your relatives, and the personality, so to say, and the vibes, the vibrations of that planet. So it could actually be a very, very beautiful object to connect to. Now, interestingly enough, of course, there are direct movements of the planet, and then there are planets in retrograde. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if your house, family house, as guided by Jupiter, the aspects that would you, you would feel the most of the times of the year, you know, in your lifetime, that would bring about the most change for you are going to be the times when this planet is in retrograde. So just be prepared for change. So, you know, if you see Jupiter, for instance, you might want to look up when Jupiter is in retrograde and just be aware that this might be coming. Hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, it would be the first phase or it's kind of both phases in one when you identify the object and then connect with the object. Oh, this is still the first. Well, I mean, I'm I'm telling you as we go, as we we move along, just Mm -hmm. so you, you know, we haven't connected yet with anything. Yeah. Um, But, you know, because each of them is so different and how you would use it is a little bit different. So I'm giving you commentary as we go along the way because 
that way you know how to like, you have a little bit more color on how to use it or why like there's special significance. So it basically can be anything, right? Elements, planets, objects, animals, yes, symbols, insects, symbols. Sa- sacred geometry, symbols, countries, huh. any place on earth, yeah. for instance. I don't know, hairstyles, pieces of clothing, anything really. Anything that is a 3D object. Right. So to say, mm-hmm. could be part of your treasure trove. Now, I mean. You also mentioned uh, magic, I think. What, what uh, does it mean? If any of your ancestors had magic, it would be accessible to you through this type of, this type of an exercise. Now, it is possible that within your ancestral line, whoever welded magic was a little bit more of an evolved soul as you are. So this is the one thing that's a little bit tricky. Could you still get access to it? Yes. Would it be to the level that one of your ancestors wielded it? Not necessarily. But if you want to access your ancestral magic, and again, it can come in so many different shapes and forms. Um, Different types of magic could be clairvoyance, clairaudience. It could be um, the talent of interpreting dreams or lucid dreaming. Um, It could be an ability to connect to animals on a deep level. It could be an ability to, you know, really connect to elementals and really be powered by one of the elementals, the magic of the water or the magic of the um, air, what have you. It could be the herb and plant magic. You know, so many, there are so many of them. It could be the magic and the gift of astrology or tarology or runic magic, any of that, right? Hmm. So it could be all of them or a number of them, you really don't know. But what you want to do if you're interested about, you know, interested in that is ask your guardian to take you to a place where all the magic of your ancestry lineage is stored and explore. And here, honestly, there is not like no rule of thumb. The place or the aspect, uh, this aspect of the ancestry line is so unique that I don't even want to give you examples because it could be a place that it takes you to or just an object or sometimes it would just start you know the guardian just might show you visuals or images of things uh like watching a movie you know anything really is possible including including sometimes you know they would choose to just deposit the magic in the in in inside of you mm-hmm. and then you might feel like a little tingling or even a burning sensation with it, like that magic you know, infiltrated or was placed inside of your body. Yeah. You could do this for quite a while. Right. But I want to get to the integration part. Yeah, before we go to the integration part. So if you don't see these objects clearly, there, there are some instances, right? Uh, does it mean that you have to work on your inner vision? Like, and we had multiple episodes about uh, inner vision. Yes, but you would see some things. Mm-hmm. Like this is the one thing that like your lineage, again, is the strongest connection that you have. Yeah. So the, really the only thing that could go wrong is if you think that you're starting to imagine things and you just don't trust yourself. So I would just say, let it go and go with the flow. Go with the pictures. Whatever they're showing you, take it. Like you can only win by this. So in this particular exercise, the chances of you of not seeing anything are quite dismal. <laughs> now, if you experience that, what you want to work on are two things. Yes, your inner vision, 
right? Yeah. And then actually quiet at quieting your inner dialogue because chances are you're just receiving a frequency that doesn't allow you for introspection. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if you feel like you're not seeing any images, that probably means that you have all these thoughts yeah. that you're receiving that are preventing, you're not an empty vessel. So new information cannot go in because your vessel is full. So what you want to do is you want to take your left hand and push away any thoughts out of your left ear with your left hand. Kind of like just do the sweeping motion. Almost like when you are preventing with your left hand the frequency to enter your left ear. And then you want to do the same thing with your right hand. And then with the, both of your hands on the two sides of your skull, of your head, what you want to create is a ball of white light, which is really emptiness or a vacuum where you're holding your hands and nothing can penetrate. And you want to hold space for you to be able to receive this information. Mm. And I guarantee you, even after like one or two minutes of you holding space, you are going to start seeing things. It's impossible that you don't. I've also heard that uh, you can use mudras, how they called, uh, like this uh, specific, uh, when you hold fingers in a specific yeah. way, it kind of stops your internal dialogue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, that's cool. Um, okay, now we can uh, go into the next phase. Yeah, so the next phase is integration. And then there's going to be the third phase after that, which is like a special gift. Yeah. Um, and that would be the end of this meditation. Um, so imagine you're towards the end of the road or at the end of the road. Right? So you, you had this beautiful journey, beautiful trip. Your garden is right there with you. And then... At the end of it, there is an actual chest. So you want to pull the lid up of that chest. Like, you know, on on pirate ships or like in pirate movies, you have this like huge metal type chests, right? That's the one I'm referring to. So you want to open the lid of that chest. And inside, there is a crystal, big crystal. This one almost like feels like a diamond, but it could be any color really. It's just shaped like a diamond, right? This crystal, because crystals have memory just like water, on its facets, basically, each facets, uh, its, its facets contain the energy of these objects that you've just met. So it's like a collective energy of all the things that you just discovered. And, you know, as you're approaching that crystal, you know, you're, you want to lower, you know, lower to your knees because like the chest is not that tall. And you want to place both of your palms on that beautiful crystal and connect with the energy of that crystal. And then you want to ask your ancestors and your guide for permission to tap into these beautiful objects and their energy and to use them in your life the way that benefits you and hopefully the greater good. 
what you would notice then is there is a figure that would appear behind the chest. And, you know, generally that figure is somebody important from your lineage. You know, one of your forefathers or foremothers. And they would, if they allow you to use that energy, they, you would see that figure nod to you and smile. So they bless you to use that energy. Then you would fully connect with the energy of that crystal and feel its power entering the palms of your hands. And you would feel, you know, a tingling or some warmth. Sometimes it's cool energy. It really depends on that collective frequency of what you're receiving. And you want to freely allow it to enter your body without, you know, having any barriers anywhere. And find a place in your body where it belongs. Sometimes it would be, you know, in the heart area, in the belly area. It doesn't really matter. Like this energy would go exactly to where it needs to go. And so it's like a collective connection exercise. So you would, you know, in that moment, you would be connected to those objects that you've seen in this session. And they will come to your aid. You know, whether consciously you ask for their help or subconsciously, whenever you need them most. Now, of course, as you're building your house and your altar, it's still important to have as many reminders of the sacred things that you've seen the totem animals and plants and minerals and everything as you've seen, you know, really bringing them to your home could create a very strong, beautiful home that, you know, you're very comfortable in. That is your fortress. That is your, you know, your happy place instead of just a house, right? So you really want to surround yourself with all of that beautiful ancestral energy. Now, when you did that, it's going, to be, it's going to be a long meditation. You want to imagine yourself at the same crossroads again. And you want to repeat this exercise for your dad's lineage. So make sure you're a lot like a good hour for this when you're ready, right? So you want to connect with your dad's special objects as well. Don't forget this time we're using the right hand to connect to your belly and do three breaths. Then using the right hand to connect to your heart center and doing three breaths. Then using your right hand to connect to your third eye and do three deep breaths. Only then, you know, can you do the same thing over and over again, starting with the beautiful sphere that bursts and shows you exactly the color and the frequency of this road so you can travel. And then towards the end, the crystal where you integrate it. Now, the third portion of this, or the surprise portion, is this. Do you remember there are two crystals? You know, there's one crystal in one chest and the other crystal in the other chest, yes. which is your final integration piece. Mm-hmm. Because you are the juxtaposition or the unification of these two lineages, the energy of the two can come together because it already has to form you, right? Yeah. These are not just two separate energies, but one united energy now. So imagine in your mind's eye that the two crystals are floating out of their chests and they're being joined together and they're starting to rotate quickly, quickly merging into an object 
not necessarily a crystal. They're merging into some object. They're rotating quickly, rotating. And you at, at first you cannot tell what it is. Then the rotation slows down. And you see this one object. Now this is your talisman that both of your lineages came together to give you. And it could be anything really, but something that is the most important thing for you to have in this incarnation. You want to really thank them for this beautiful gift that you needed and you didn't know that you were missing. And you want to accept it and take it either inside of your body or just you want to carry it depending on the object, right? You really want to connect with it. Now, if you're not sure what this object is, you can always ask your guardian guide about what it is or what the significance is. But very often it will be clear from the object of why you need it. Sometimes they might show you a symbol. It's also quite possible. Now you want to integrate that symbol inside of your body also as a frequency. And that is a collective gift of both of your lineages that you need on your mission, on your journey, to get to where you need to go. That is really how you connect to your ancestral strength and your power and your energy. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing how people lost this knowledge. Well, now it's time for it to come back. Yeah, it's time for it to come back for sure. Everything that is well forgotten is coming back again. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for sharing this uh, meditation with us. Um, it was amazing. I was trying to meditate while you were uh, telling what to do. <laughs> um, were you cheating? A little bit. <laughs> I have this privilege. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, thank you so much. And uh, now I'm going to end our session. <laughs>